0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I
1: want to welcome everybody here this morning. Uh, I want to thank you for having us out again. We're thankful to be away from home. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a crazy year. And uh, I want you to know we've we've been thinking about y'all a lot, and I know this has been a difficult time in the church with everything that's been going on. We're missing folks, and hopefully uh, it'll be it'll be over sooner rather than later. It is a blessing to be here, though. I appreciate the prayer on my behalf of the study uh, this morning, and I hope that it is edifying. I hope it's encouraging to you. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about parenting. And uh, I know as I look around this room, I have a lot of respect for for many of the parents in here and the children that you're raising, and, and as, I, as I speak this morning, I may not tell you nothing you don't already know, and it, I might tell you nothing you haven't already been putting into practice. You have much more experience than me, some of you, and and uh, I meant that in the best way possible. It wasn't an age joke, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't consider myself to be an expert on parenting. I find myself consistently um, searching for answers, searching for the best way to go about things. And, and what I do know of all the questions in parenting, that rather than going and looking at the countless books you can find on the shelves and the bookstores written by me, and if you want real answers, we're going to find them in the scriptures and nowhere else. And and that's what I want to do this morning. Not necessarily talk about opinions or my specific parenting styles. I don't think that has its place in a study like this. But what we want to do is examine God's design on marriage and, and maybe some of the ways that we can look at our children. The, the title, I'll give you a little background on the title. Not necessarily, this title is a part of a, a two part series or a multi part series. And there's a sermon in Rome that normally comes before that. I told Clint last night I'm going to. You so saw I was guinea pigs a little bit. I got a meeting coming up. talking am the family. I was just going to brush up on a couple of these. But I want you to know where I was coming from as I put together this study. You want comes to look for it. But whenever I found out I was going to be a father, a over 10 years ago, um, I remember going and reading everything that I could, as I'm sure many of you did. And, and I started to look, seeing things, stories differently in the scriptures that I've never seen before. There's a story that has... I, I believe it's changed me and it shapes me in a lot of what I do. And you find it in First Samuel. It's a story about Eli the priest, and Eli the priest, he trained up a, a wonderful prophet in Samuel. We'll find he did a good job there. In fact, you'll never find him necessarily, to my knowledge, an indictment on his abilities as a priest. But what you will find is that he had an indictment on his cause from God that he was not a good father. There are accusations leveled by God at Eli, that he honored his children over God. And that even though he saw the wickedness that his children were doing, what is doing, what the 10 is there? That he restrained them not. And the saddest thing about that that, that story to me, the, the scariest thing about that story is that whenever it talks about his children, he said the sons of Eli, then said they were the sons of God, as so we hope for ourselves and for our children. He said the sons of Eli sons of Baal. And that scares me. That still scares me. And everything going through this study it is based on the idea of what is at stake as we raise our children. Whenever we decide with our spouse we want to have kids, we want to bring life into this world, we took on a task I believe that is one of the hardest that we will ever have in our life. It is one of the most time consuming, one of the most Uh, It's going to take more of our mental energy and our physical energy than anything else that we do if we're doing it right. And this is about provoking us as parents to think about the task at hand and hopefully encourage you. Maybe that's all it is today. Maybe it's things you know and it's just encouraging to keep on keeping on. Because I'll tell you this. When it comes to training your children out of the world and even in religious society, our consciences are being. Pull that. Our resolve is being chipped away at. It. Because whenever it comes to Bible teaching, God's design on raising kids, that's not what we're hearing from God in the world. I just you know where I'm coming from. I preach this with love. I preach this with fear as an imperfect father, one who hopes to continue to improve. I believe as parents, like in anything else in life, we have to have goals. I want to start in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29, starting at verse 15. A lot of times whenever we look at the book of Proverbs, we see this doing in thoughts. It seems like there's a lot of randomization there, but this is a connected thought here. And a lot of times we separate the last piece off, but I want to start at verse 15. He says, a rod and per- reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgress and increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give the unto thy soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy. You see, a lot of times I, when I preach in, in this part of the Bible, I focus mainly on verse 18, and I talk about vision, but it's connected to the idea of training our children up, and we see a, we see this cause and effect inside of these couple of verses. He talks about us teaching our kids, and then he talks about what happens when we don't train them. And he says it's going to turn to unrighteousness and wickedness. And he says the righteous will, will watch this decay. We've seen this decay in society, haven't we? We've watched this decay in society. And so he says step up. Correct your children. What it will do is it will bring rest. That's peace. All right, there are times, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, whenever we're training our children... And we feel like, always, oh, we just constantly have to be aware. But I feel like I'm, I'm watching all the time. Every little thing, and, and you just get worn out. Maybe it's something as simple as the assembly when your children are small. And we're training them to sit and listen so that they can grow as they get older. And, uh, and you feel there for a time in life that, man, I have to listen to a whole sermon. again. but it's that teaching. That training that will eventually give like, us a formal ed. So we'll touch on that more. But what he ends with here is where there is no vision, the people perish. We're and oriented People are. Our society is. When we have goals for our kids from a very young age, a lot of times those include uh, what they're going to do academically, education, how far they're going to go, how much they're going to learn, what what professional fields, and how they're going to earn a living, how much money they're going to make. A lot of times I hear people talking about their kids and what working the most common thing i hear in and out of the church i want a better life for my kids than i have for myself what we have to make sure with all of these goals and desires that we have for our children is that first and foremost at the top of that list needs to be spiritual goals and there's probably a lot of good goals you have and you can find in the scriptures i just want to bring out three verses today that is a good starting point at least to give us focus and direction vision so that the people will not perish, so our kids will not perish, so the future of the church will not perish. I want to start in Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. We're going to go through these rather quickly. We've got a lot of material to cover. But in 1 Chronicles 28, 9, David's talking to his son Solomon. And he says, my son Solomon, I want you to know the God of thy father. Stop there just a second. He said, I want you to know the God of your father. There's a lot of people I come into contact with today, adults who say, I know God was raised religiously. I hear a lot of times raised by the Bible many times growing up. Or I was raised in a, in a church going household. And I want you to know that there is a difference in what he says here in knowing God and what a lot of society thinks about when they think of knowing God. There is a difference in knowing about God. Knowing some of the Bible stories, knowing what it says, and really knowing God. What he's talking about here is a relationship with God. One that's not just about knowing lines on paper, but it's about your attachment to those lines. It's about the wisdom that you utilize in putting His words into action. And He takes it a step further. Not only do I want you to really know God, I want you to serve Him with a perfect heart and willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. And if thou wilt seek Him, He will be found in them. But if you forsake Him, He will cast thee off forever. He had great concern for His children. He lamented very much. Some of the things that went wrong with his children, you know, it was a lot of turmoil in David's family, wasn't there? Some of the decisions he made as a man, they, they, they had long-lasting effects. But as he's talking to Solomon, he says, I want only the best for you. My goal is for you, Solomon. No, God, and certainly. Not because you have to, not because you must or you'll perish, but because you want to. There's a lot of people... There could be a lot of people nowadays feel to this morning because they have family obligation. They're there because mom and dad expect me to be. Grandma and grandpa expect me to be. Well, this is just what we do. This isn't an obligation just because our family enjoys it or is it. This is the opportunity to serve the living God as we pray about it and we sung about it. This is the opportunity to learn about eternal life. We might miss something if we're not here. This is the opportunity to be built up in what we should want for our children is some to serve and to be here and to be out in the world working because they want to. I love the way that the commendation was given, and I got some scriptures backwards here, but in Second Timothy 1 and 5, I love the way he gives a commendation to Timothy and his folks. He says, when I call remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I'm persuaded to send thee also. I think this is a fantastic goal to have. Not that our kids are doing things because we did them, but because they have their own faith in God. That it's not the faith of Abraham and the righteousness and the works of Abraham that is sustaining their salvation, but it's that they have faith in the word of God and they have allowed the gospel and the blood of Jesus to cleanse them and guide their life. we want them to have a real... A real thing. They got to see in us first. That should be on our mind as we raise our kids. Lastly, one of the things I wanted to bring out Proverbs 22 and 6, a verse we know very well. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I don't want to deal in the hypotheticals. I don't want to deal with the, in the, well, this is just a generalism. What I want you to know is God said if we train up a child the way out to go he won't depart from it. That doesn't mean that we don't have food will. That doesn't mean that a kid won't forsake at some point. What well, I want us to take this as as parents is a challenge. You know, you're going to be perfect and neither am I. Never. But it is a challenge to rise up and train our children the way God called us to. Because I believe there's a promise in this. I do what I can. He gives my children a better opportunity to never part. Isn't that one of the things that David said he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Now we want that for our kids. Not just here, not just now, not just as long as this world stands and this building stands. But as long as eternity stands, we want our kids to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and never be departed from Him. Amen. These are the goals we need for our children. What they do, what goals do, is they narrow our vision in life. Because there's so many distractions, there's so many things that don't matter in raising our kids. And these can help us narrow down our vision. Of what do I need to do as a mom? What do I need to do as a dad? How can I give my children the best opportunity to love in the house of the forever? So let's do that. Let's renew our efforts. Let's gird up the loins of our minds, as the Bible says. Let's rise to the occasion God has called us to parents. Let's give our children a good opportunity. The first thing that we got to do as a parent is we got to know who our kids are you know whenever i you know i know there's a lot of folks involved in remodeling and you've been involved in construction and, and what you don't do when you take on a remodel job or restoration is someone say, hey you want to do a remodel? And you say sure i'll be there on monday and we'll start you go and you take a look at the job and you take stock of what is this old house going to take what needs to be torn out what needs to be put in what kind of shape is it in I need to know what I'm getting into. And the same thing with our children. There's a lot of times that we put kids in in uh, different categories, and we say every kid is different. Well, they are in character. There's some differences, but there are some general truths about children that the Scripture teaches us. Amen. They can help us to be able to stay focused and, and to be more pointed with the way that we train our children. Let's look at them. Psalm 58 and verse 3. He said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking wise. A lot of people use this to talk about the idea of original sin or that people are born with sin in their life. And uh, that's a whole study for another time. Children are born innocent. One of the ways that we know this isn't talking about children being born as little babies with sin in their life is a brand new baby can't speak on this. They can make some noise, they can cry, they can make a fuss, but they can't tell a lie. The point of the scripture is to say very quickly in life, we start walking in another direction. Think about one of the first things our kids start doing. And I know the kids won't remember it because you're too young, none of us do, but as parents we watch it as our brand new, precious baby, so we hold it in our arms and we'll to them and we'll say, we'll never do anything wrong ever. We'll never do perfect. One day we're going to say, did you touch that over there? And they're going to look up off the floor and go, mm-hmm. did you touch that? Mm-hmm. Did you give that? Mm-mm. That's one of the first things that learned It is. In it's instinctual, And that's one of the things we need to understand about our kids. They don't come out naturally out of the equipped to serve God and walk in his paths. They come out programmed by the flesh because of the fall of man to start sinning. And our entire job is deprogramming to flesh. And programming in God. we got to know our kids. They're going to go astray quickly. You look at Proverbs 22 and 15. He said, foolishness is bound to the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Hurts my feelings as a parent. Why? Because just like you, I think my kids are pretty smart. We all think our kids are real hands. You wouldn't believe how soon my kid was walking. Well, oh, they said their first words at such and such age. They're math They do all these things. We're proud of our kids. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But God says there's foolishness in my kids' heart. God says there's foolishness in your kids' heart. Foolishness is found up in the heart of the child. Now, kids don't take this the wrong way. Don't get all upset at me and go, "Me? I'm special." That's, he's. He's not sitting here mocking you. God is not mocking you and, and saying you're just foolish. What he is saying is, look, you don't start out having all the answers in life. Sometimes the way that we, we think whenever we're growing up, it doesn't always make sense. I can think of a handful of things that I look back at my youth and I go, "Why what? what on earth did I do that? And it feels weird to stand in an audience and preach and say, when I was a kid, I remember, but they will be there too someday. And parents, our kids, are going to make mistakes. We want our kids to walk the line and be perfect and never make mistakes, but they're going to. Whenever kids make mistakes and they're foolish, they're doing exactly what God said they would do. The question is, will we do our job and drive that foolishness out of their hearts? That's what he's called us to do. The foolishness isn't an insult. It's their nature. And so we have to identify that. And we have to say we need to put wisdom into the heart of our child. Isn't that what we're all seeking, even in our adulthood? We're still going to have to program that for ourselves. We're going to talk more about this verse here after a while. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, he talks talks about us as adults not being uh, led into false doctrine. He said that henceforth we should be no more children, tossed to and fro, and Carried about with every winded offering by the slot of men and cunning craftiness. that's worried about that they wait to deceive. It. And this is one of the things about kids is they, they are programmable. And
2: that's what we need to know that if you
1: don't program your kid, if I don't, somebody will. Somebody's going to. They already are. From a very young age, they're being programmed. We all were. What type of programming are they going to get the most? Are they going to get godly programming? Are they going to get godly influences? Where's he going to be the world? You know, as we raise our kids, we're raising young Christians. That's what we should be doing. This is our best opportunity to evangelize and we'll have. But we need to teach them. We need to teach them how to be wise as serpents, but honest as doves as God says. We need to teach them all things whatsoever he's commanded. It's just like we would a new convert, but we need to have them from the time of their first moment but you know, that can change very quickly. You can hear one thing, one man and believe it. And they said, well, I, I can remember things like that in my life growing up. I remember getting into uh, I remember getting into college and just started hearing about evolution a lot more, a lot more about evolution. Hearing about dinosaurs. You know what I, I heard about dinosaurs when I was growing up? I don't remember. I don't remember anything about dinosaurs. That's true. Maybe there was some teaching on it. there we not a whole lot about it. There were some things about it that shook me. Well, and you think, well, dinosaurs, that's not a big deal. You know what that led into for me? It led into evolution, okay? Evolution. Alright, so some evolution, well, that had led to, well, I don't believe we talk about monkeys or nothing, but that led into some other types of evolution that have kind of a vital a twist, is what people sell it as. Gap theory. How old is the earth really? And so you know after there for a while I thought, it doesn't matter if you believe it was seven days, it doesn't matter if you believe in death and evolution, You way, God created it all. You know, that shapes a lot, it shook a lot of faith for me in the long run. It led to a lot of different things. So quickly I was slain. And our children will too. We need to know who our kids are. This is children in general. When I when I go on and say we need to know who our kids are, I don't know how many you got. A lot of you got more than me. I know a lot of my family members. You know, I got some of the fewest. You know, in my family, even my brother's beat me nowadays. So I'm gonna let him keep beating me. That's all right. But we need to know who each and every one of our kids is individuals. Let's look at this scripture here, Proverbs 20 and verse 11. He said, "Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether they be right. Whether we like it or not, our child is going to be judged on their behavior. But we can be." I don't know, we can be kind of sensitive. I don't want someone else touching my kid. But we can be pretty harsh on other people. It is pretty easy. It is pretty easy to get to the point where you see a kid and go, man, I think you lost room with that kid. And it's sad. I mean, sometimes we are not But our kids could be doing the same thing, and it's like nothing's going on. We need to take off the rose-colored glasses so we can help our children. We need to take off the rose-colored glasses and see their behaviors for what it really is. Even a child is known by his doings. That's not me. That's not some expert. That is the expert. That's God. And he said, look, your child's going to build a reputation. And I would say the most important reputation he's going to build is not with other people around us. It's going to be with God. He watches our children. He judges whether the things they're doing are right or whether they're evil. And that's a reputation we we'll have to be worried about from a young age. They're making decisions they just may not be the right ones and we we need to help them craft doing the right thing because they are going to be known you know and we're not doing it and i need to also say we're not doing it because we want people to come up to us and say your children are just well, it feels good it? i mean it feels good whenever somebody comes up and says your kids are well paid and all that business but that's not what it's about it's about we're the next spend to train. We need to look at each child's actions. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 6, he says that love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. But what does this have to do with raising our kids? True love doesn't delight, doesn't enjoy watching something go wrong. And I think it is pretty easy sometimes for us as parents to find the common, the things that our kids are doing wrong. For instance, just for instance, you can go on YouTube right now, and I don't know how many different videos you can find of, of people who have videos of their kids and their kids are talking back to them. And their kids just start talking, what have you, or they're young, and they say, go do this. And the kid says, no! And they put their hands on their hips and they got oh, all yeah, the attitude, you know? And people just sit there and laugh. and they listen to laugh. And we sit there and we watch it and we laugh because these little people, say no in, in funny ways. And what did that really mean in our kid, though? Whenever we sit there and we laugh and we, we joy whenever our kids say no, it, well, sometimes we don't see it as a big deal. It's not a big deal. They're, they're little big. It's just the word no. Is it just the word of no? Or is it us allowing them to say no to their authority figure? And learning they can say no to their authority figure. And eventually, when they get older, you know what they're going to do? They're going to say no to a bigger authority figure. And I'm not just talking about the police and the teachers. I'll say no to them too. But they're going to say no to God. And we have trained them. We've allowed them. We've reveled in the fact that they've defied their authority figures from the time that they were infants. It's time to stop. We can't take the lie that we need to take the moment seriously. And I'm not sitting here saying there is no smiles, there's no laughter, there's no fun of parenting. There's great joy in parenting. We're going to talk about that, but whenever our kids are messing up and making mistakes, don't allow them to stay there. Don't allow them to sit there and pout. I heard a guy say one time, he said, for every, one se- for every five seconds of pouting, you're allowing your child to build up resentment, rebellion, and hatred in their heart. And it'll take two days to get over it. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it made a lot of sense to me. They really are building up those three things. I don't know how long it'll take them to get over it. I know how long it'll take them to get over it if, if it goes unsought. Maybe a long time. Maybe they won't get over it. Maybe it's just infracted in their heart and, and they can't receive truth anymore at some point in their life. We need to take glasses off, look at our kids, and say, what are they really doing? What how big of a deal is this, really? Is this really such a small thing? Think about their soul. Colossians 3 and verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. I don't have to tell my, my kid a bunch of times to, to do stuff because it bugs me. But at the end of the day, it's not about what bugs me as a parent. It's about what pleases God. I'll tell you this. For all the thou shalt not, and the God doesn't like this in our kids, I'll tell you what God does like in our kids. He loves to see our kids obey. And any of the children in the audience today, you live any folks' home, I want you to look at this verse and think about it. He didn't say obey your parents if they deserve it. Obey your parents if you think that they're right. Obey your parents if it makes sense to you. He says, children, obey your parents in all things. For this is what pleases the Lord. You want to please the Lord, kids? You want to please us as parents? Obey. That's what he's called you to do. And I'll tell you, this is going to be one of those simple times in your life as hard as it seems. But if you will obey your parents going to have an easier time obeying God when you need to make your own decisions. I think that we need to reinforce this with our kids. Not just getting on in times when they're in trouble, but telling them, whenever we've watched them do something that is obedient, tell them how much God appreciates that, not just us, not just how much I appreciate it, how much God looks at that and loves it, because we all need that really. And our kids do too. To know that they can please God, that they're not just messing up every single day, but they can get things right and be praised for it. Let's carefully examine our children's actions. And and what we have to do is we got to look beyond that they're our precious little angels. We got to look beyond our attachment to them as parents, and we need to view them like God views them. We need to make sure that we put them in the right place in our hearts. We're familiar with Luke 14 and 26. He said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yet his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And, and what he's not saying is that we don't love our children. That word hate there is you probably know it just means love less. He's talking about categories of love. And I'll tell you this, if you love God more than your wife, you're going to be a better husband, and she's not going to suffer because you love God more than her. And ladies, if you love God more than your husband, he's not going to suffer because you're going to do what he said, what God says, and, and your husband is going to be benefited. And parents, our children are not going to suffer if we put God first in their life. Right. In fact, they're going to be better for it. And so what we have to do at times whenever our heart is breaking and we don't want to correct them and and it's hard to stay focused and vigilant, we have to look through and say, what does God want from me as a parent for their sake? What can I do? God doesn't. I mean, God doesn't like chastising anyone. I mean, God doesn't walk around with a big stick looking for somebody to fog. That's not who he is. God is loving and caring and wants to see success. And what we have to do, though, is make sure that we're not just caught up in what we call love for them and neglect the type of instruction they need. We need to, we need to see God first. We need to see their soul first. And we'll be able to be more diligent in our correction. Proverbs 27 and 6, he says, Faithful in the wounds of friends, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I hear this quite a bit that I don't want my kid to be mad at me. Well, if I do this, my kid will rebel against me. If I do this, and my kid will hate my guts, and I want to be it. I don't hear a lot of them actually say, I want to be my kid's friend. Um, but that's really kind of what parents act like sometimes. That I want to be their friend, and I don't want to be their enemy. And the truth is, we're never called to be our kid's friends, Sorry, kids. The truth is, we can be something. With diligent teaching when they grow up in to be adults and they're faithful members of the church and, and where our hearts are knit together with the same desires of life. I believe that once we pass from that relationship of a parent to child and we've all been in the realm of adulthood, there should be friendship there. There can be friendship there. And i to tell you, I'll tell you so much, my dad. We, I, I made a lot of rough on him when I was growing up and he was a pretty rough man. But we're friends now. I am sitting back there laughing at him. <laughs> Uncle Scary Larry, right? <laughs> Man, you're I'm just telling you. But we're friends. I value the time I get to spend with him. I value that he doesn't have the weight on his shoulders anymore have trying to keep me in mind and trying to keep me from screwing up my life. But while we're raising our kids, we have to do hard things. It is hard to want to correct our kids, and if it's e- if it's easy, there's something wrong, folks. If it is easy to correct your children, to whip them, to get on to them, to straighten them out, then, then there's something wrong. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be done, or it shouldn't, that it can't be done. Well, so let's, let's just say for a minute that we are commanded as parents to be friends with our kids. What does this verse tell us? That a friend will wound a friend. A friend will tell somebody what they need to hear because that's real friendship. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? And parents, you want to be the best friends you can to your kids right now when they're in your home? Tell them what they need to hear. Straighten them up. Don't be like Eli and not restrain them. Don't don't honor them over God. Honor God over them in some days. Maybe the relationship will be all the friendship you've ever wanted anymore. It can be a blessing that folks, are real friends. don't tell them what they need to hear. And we've got to do that with our kids too. Don't just sit there and argue with your kids. When they want to do something and you say no, or you want them to do something and they say no. Don't sit there and let them argue with you. Be the authority to now, I'm not saying you can't explain it to them. I'm not saying it's not good to talk about all the reasons why I to so, yeah. Be the parent. not the them. If we do that, maybe they'll learn a little bit about authority. And I'll we'll have a better time with that. You know, in Hebrews 12, 6-8, the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth you with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement thereof, you're all partakers and your bastards and not sons. And that word there uh, it, it means you're fatherless. You said you might as well be fatherless. I got I got friends who were fatherless. They grew up fatherless. As hard as I thought my daddy was, there was some of my friends didn't have a daddy at all. One of my best friends growing up didn't have a dad. And he didn't have his mom in the picture. There was nobody really to tell him what to do or what not to do, and he grew up angry and he grew up mean, and he had a hard time with a lot of things in life because it wasn't someone that was show real love and, and all of the lashing out and the resentment. It's, it's kids lashing out because they got no real boundaries. Sounds silly, kids. <laughs> boundaries. And that's nice, and that's what you want. It is what you want. Trust me, you want this. Because you could say, if you're shows that they care. I'm so glad that there was someone in my life who cared enough to say, hmm, you're not going to do that. Amen. And you should be too. And parents, you need to be that person. Care about what they do. From the time that they're just getting out of your arms until the time they walk away from them. But it's like our kids don't have real loving parents. You know, the world is screaming out. The world is screaming out. If you, if you discipline your kids, you hate your kids. If you discipline your kids, you're teaching them to be abusive. And if you correct your kids, uh, catch this one. We read this one the other day. If you correct your kids and teach them about God, you're brainwashing them, and it's child abuse. I'm not kidding you. Kids need correction. They're going to feel safer and secure. Treat them like you're a parent. Love them. Chase them. Receive them. Proverbs 13 and 24. Let, let's talk a little bit specifically about the discipline side of it. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, He that spares the rod hates his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth the times. I want to focus on the, the latter part of that. We'll look at the first part in a different verse in a minute. He that loveth him is uh Chasing sin at the time. That's disciplining them the times. I mean, you don't use the word the time very often. I don't say I'm going to do this at times, but what it means is early and often. And what early and often doesn't mean is like I heard a story about a family many years ago and, and this guy was telling me that whenever the dad practiced chastening them at the times it was they got a whip it in the morning for what they might do during the day, they got a whip it and not whether needed one or not. You know and that's not what it means. I mean that's just not what it means. What it means is consistency. with consistency. And it's, it's on an as needed basis. So if we're really looking at our children and their actions and we see something that is a mess, he's talking about using consistent instruction. I hear people say, well, well discipline don't work. for really me. It don't work on my kids. You know, I just don't want to do it. Well, I'm going to stop you right there and say, well, the Bible says it does. So first I'm going to put my sock there and and I, for my kids, both of my kids are different in some ways, but you know what? They're still kids. And God didn't go through there and say, for this type of character, your children use this type of correction. And for this type of character, use this type He said, look, chasing your son. If you love him, chasing your son. And all the time, So early on. Physically. And what we do, though, so many times it makes us think that, that discipline or weapons, we call them weapons, don't work, is that we wiggle for something they're doing, and then they get away with it. And then we wiggle because then we get tired talk with them and then they get away with it. You know what we're trying to do? It's inconsistent. It's not really a big deal. I can get away with it for a little while, so I'm going to do it. You know what you're going to do? I, I'm going to take what I can get, right? We still are that way as adults sometimes. We don't think there's a cop around. We might the this feeling a little bit. Because we might get away with it for a while. I'm sitting over here and I got a little fast this morning. Sorry. I slowed it back down on the show out here we do that. You know, we try to get away right with things. It's no really so different. We teach them that. And then we sit back and say, God's way doesn't work. And you say, wait, 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 I didn't say God's way doesn't work. I said that within didn't work. That's his way. Now what I'm say, what I'm also gonna say is, is, that doesn't mean that there's not room for other types of punishment. Now, you look through the scriptures, there's lots of biblical punishment that God used. And look at the way that he would take things away from around. You know, God's roundings were pretty brutal. Sometimes he take away, take away rain from them for years. Sometimes they'd go stand in the corner. Their corner was, you know, enslavement to Babylonians and things like that. I mean, he used some different methodologies, but there was always, always punishment. And what our kids need to be able to learn when they're young is that there is always a consequence for our sin. And if we don't teach them that every time when they're kids. You know what, they're going to think they can get away with it. And you know what, God's law isn't that important anymore. And heaven is something that's out there, yeah, yeah, I'm a pretty good person, but you know what, it's not such a big deal. But there is punishment for sin. And we can help teach them that at a very young age. Chastise them at times, he said, if you love them, Proverbs 23, he said, withhold it, don't keep it from them, Don't withhold it. You know Anyways. From a child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die, thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from him. We call it given we can't call it spankings, we call it swats. He said, beat him with the rod. I'm gonna tell you, I'm not advocating abusing your child. And anyone who does, and uses the scripture as its source and its proof, is it just wrong. But I'll tell you what, they do need to feel it, and they're not gonna die. I, I I know many parents who have probably told their kids I up, you don't know, go sit down for a week. And I don't know how many kids who could actually not sit down for a week. I don't know they're about that man. Shouldn't have, anyways. But he uses some pretty tough terminology. Beat them with the rock. Really a rock? Really a wrong? You know it is strange that even on the Christian age, you know, the weapons are our warfare a lot, carnal, but mighty through God. The gospel that we use is not a it's not a spear, anything like that. We use the great people of Christ. When it comes to winning the hearts of our children to God, He says the tool that we use is the rod. And He said, use it. Don't withhold it. Don't keep it back from them. What you'll do, we 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 have dumbed this down a little bit. We make it a little bit softer. Spare the rod, spoil the child. And that's not what this verse says. This this verse essentially says, spare the rod. You're doing your child. I'm doing my child if I withhold that correction. We need to make sure that we utilize that. Hebrews 12 and 11, he says, Now no chastening, for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields a precible fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised. Thereby. This is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. Is sometimes it is get worn out. there have been times I, I get home and even I felt this way to get home and a lot when I'm on a meeting, going I tell you I go sometimes a week or two, probably one of Ellen's got the kids all over herself. and she'll say, I feel like all I did was with this week. So like, all I did was get on with the kids. So sometimes like I mentioned earlier, sometimes you might feel like you don't hear a whole sermon for minutes, a couple months. But if we will exercise the commandment given to us to on our child at times and to hold on the rod, eventually things start clicking in their mind. It starts clicking. Don't do that. it ain't worth it. And then once you start seeing as a parent, it's the little things that start clicking in place. I, uh, Mom was telling me here a while back about her child. She said, you know, I walked into the living room, kind of. I walked into the living room to clean up after everybody the other day, like I always have to do at the end of the day. And I mean, you know what, there was no shoes flying around the living right? I haven't learned that one yet. I'm still trying to tell that one. But she said it was that little victory. It was that little victory that just brought her a great amount of joy as a parent. It's clicking. And you watch your kids, they make the right decisions. And, and they don't give, or they don't pinch, or they don't do this, or, or they're actually doing this. And you watch those little victories, and, and don't you just cheer inside? Don't you feel like... I didn't know if it was ever going to work. I didn't know if it was getting through. I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. But my goodness, it's working. And you feel like this is a big victory. There are no small victories in parenting. There's just blessings. Whenever we do it God's way and we reap the peaceful fruits of righteousness. Remember what a verse said? When he talks about it brings rest to the parents. That's what he's talking about. We want all the blessings. Some discipline. But too many times we're not doing the work. And what is it? Let's do the work. Not only will we reap the blessings ourselves, that's the selfish part, but our children will reap the blessings for the rest of their life. And maybe our grandchildren will reap the blessings. And maybe the church will be reaping the blessings ten generations from now. Maybe forty generations from now. Sometimes they use the term forty generations in the New Testament that all the generations. Maybe 40 years from now, if we do our job, and our kids take it apart, and the church will be going on if that's how long he lets the world go on. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know all the reasons why some people don't utilize the, the correction that we've been given. I hear some of the reasons. That I worry about being too hard. I'll tell you, the way that I'm programmed as a man is to be kind of harsh. Make that confession to you right here and right now. I worry about going overboard. I really do. I worry that my kids are going to see the that at the end of my time of raising my parents, if I'm not careful, my kids will see the angry man instead of the one who lovingly raised them. I think about that a And I have to be very careful on that. I think that is one of the fears of a lot of parents. Is that maybe they'll do it in an inappropriate way. In fact, this is a verse that I hear cited a lot. Why people don't discipline as often or as uh, consistently as what they're told to? Ephesians six and four: ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition. Lord, you know what we're all scared of as parents? I don't know, maybe you're not, but I, I feel like we probably are. It's that I will drive my kid away from God. Don't you hear that? Yeah, well, if you're too strict on your kids, you're going to push them away from God. But I hear that a lot now. I don't know you know, obviously they're worried about it. Provoke not your children to wrath. What can that mean? We'll talk about that in just a second. The last thing I want to do is my kids to get raised up and go, oh my goodness, I'm going to do what I want. I'm frightened of that. I'm just frightened of that, folks. It scares me to death. I got a lot of control right now. And it's hard to think about relinquishing that control, especially if it's a 10-year-old. That the six year old in the house are coming up on it. How do I not provoke my child to wrath? I think some of the answers are right here in it. There is a side of raising our children that's about the punishment. Strangely enough, it's not the nurture. A lot of times when I think about nurture, I think about the cut and, you know, muzzle them and, the coming to them and you're the the so precious and kissing the boo boos and all that stuff. And, Murcher, in this sense, is actually more of a chastening, the, the education from chastisement or your correction. And then you have your admonition. It's like, more like what we think of it. The warning, the call to attention, the teaching aspect. If we want to effectively raise our kids, we can't be all rod and no talk. We can't be all correction and no admonition. That's what drives people away. That if we are all action and no speak in the Word of God, and, and that's what happens, think about this. So let's think about just, I, I can't talk about every aspect about what can drive our kid away and, and turn them to wrath and cooking wrath, but I want to talk about one piece of it just for a moment as we're continuing on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. He said that love or charity, it does not behave itself unseemly, it seeks not our own, and it is not easily provoked. And a parent might say, listen, I wasn't easily provoked. I wasn't easily provoked the first time they did it, or the second time they did it, or the, or the fifth time, the sixth time. But after about ten times, you know, I was provoked. I wasn't easily provoked. Well, we got a problem there. I'll tell you that our anger can get away with a lot of things. This. This idea that we can get mad and, and train our children effectively whenever we're angry, I don't think it, it exists together. In James 1, verse 19 through 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of God, the wrath of man, worketh not the righteousness of God. And here's my point in this. There are times whenever we're upset at somebody and the words just don't come out right Do this. I mean, I regret things from when I'm angry. Whenever I let myself get to the point that I'm boiling, I, I lack control. And I'm not just talking about raising children, Anybody in any situation. When you are just flat out mad, you don't act rational. You know what that causes other people to do? I think of Proverbs 15 1. Soft so turns away wrath, this word to stir up, strive. When you're just angry the way you do, you cause someone else to a love. What gets. You know, you might cause them to bristle up because all they see is a mad person and they're not hearing any logic. Or maybe they just shrink back in fear. They don't really know. All they know is mad. He's mad. Be careful. She's mad. Mom's mad. Dad's mad. Maybe we don't teach effectively in those moments. Our message gets lost whenever we lose control of our emotions. There might be a legitimate thing that we're upset about. I'm not saying we can never get upset going to. We're going to. I think the key is that as long as we that our emotions don't rule the discipline. And they don't rule the teaching in those times. And that's easier said than done. When you master that, please have a teacher. We need to take a step back sometimes. So that whenever our kids see us correcting them, disciplining them, they're not just seeing this mad and angry person Whose feelings they hurt, but they see someone who is collected that has a reason behind why they are upset. Are they just seeing the anger, or can they see the reason behind the emotion? Sometimes I can sit down and take a step back. One of the easiest ways, or the only ways I can think to do that in, in my life is Is to look at Hebrews 12 and and see what he's talking about here for a minute. He says, Barely for a few days, he's talking about earthly fathers, they chasten us or discipline us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers in holiness. You know, this doesn't mean that we can't just discipline out of convenience. There are times where we need our kids to do things that are convenient for us. Don't touch that pot. It's convenient for me to not have to do it with our hand when we're busy doing other things. Don't. Don't cross that fence and go off in those woods. It's convenient for my kid to not get bit by a tick or a snake or something like that. It's convenient sometimes, and they need to obey those things. But discipline can't always be about my convenience as a parent or your convenience. It, it can't be because I don't like this or this annoys me or I'm tired of that. That's all what's about it. If it's just about, well, it's my rules as long as you're in my house, you might use that one. What if instead of teaching all about my rules in my house, what if I, I teach on God's rules in our house? What if I teach on, I'm doing this because this is what God wants. But I'm upset because, I'm sad because I know God's looking at you and He's not happy. But I've got to do my job, right? He said God, He doesn't just discipline for His own pleasure. But he disciplines so that we might be partakers in holiness. He's talking about being righteous, and the end result of that is, a, is eternal glorification. It's a home in heaven. And that needs to be the focus. Instead of being upset, because my kid, I have told you, and I've why can't you listen to me? I've told you time and again. You don't care about me, you don't love me, kid. Instead of that, maybe we step back and we think, Having a problem with their fitness. And why I need to help them find a solution to this problem because it's not about me, it's about their soul, it's about their future, it's about their relationship with God. Step back and don't make it all about you. Step back and make it about being pleasing in the sight of God with the child. And that can take a lot of a head I don't know for me. Step back and look at the spiritual side, not just the emotional. In Psalms 86 and verse 11, he says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. You know, as we teach our kids, and as we correct our kids, like, like I mentioned a while ago, I got a little ahead of myself. Instead of being all my way, my rules, my house, let's let it be God's desire, God's path, God's ways, God's desires, what God deserves. What you can do with God, what you can do for God, what God can do with and for you. And those are the things that we can use to teach our kids to to let them see that it isn't big bad daddy making these rules. Big bad daddy isn't saying that you have got to go work to buy those fancy pants because big bad daddy's mean, but it's because dad wants you to learn some responsibility and not to be ungrateful. And if a man shall not work, then neither shall he eat it. And, and that whenever our kids mouth off to us and they talk back, and it's not just because you're hurting my feelings talking back to me. It's because honor thy mother and father. Right? That's right. This is the first commandment will promise. It will be both you and those belong on the earth. But whenever our kids say no, we teach them about obedience, for that's pleasing to God. Whatever they mean their friends, we can pull another scripture out that says, The man that hath friends must show themselves friendly, because that's God's direction. All, whenever they whine and pout, we can talk to them about do all things without murmuring and disputing. I mean, there's so many principles. We don't have to construct our own laws. It's so much easier whenever I take a step back and I stop worrying about me. And I can just let God teach. It just didn't bring that on their heart. You know what? There's a lot of my friends gone from the church today. I've probably said that before. It bugs bugs me. It bothers me. A lot of my friends have gone out of church, the ones that I grew up with. I've talked to some of them. The way that they're living, you know what they say? Well, I know my parents wouldn't agree with what I'm doing, but they got their ways and I've got mine. And I I can't say that we can force our kids while we're raising them to, to know that that it's not just about me. I mean, they could choose to miss that, idea. guess. So they got pretty vote like I did. But I think we gotta work really hard that by the time everybody's up, they know that it's I didn't do this because of me. I didn't do this because it was convenient. I didn't do this because you're my little slave, it makes me happy to like watch you work hard and do everything I tell you to do. But I think it's a you can God and you could have a relationship with him, you could have a whole a lot of those to say, I know my parents' tradition. I know my parents' thing. that I'm going to do this. Well, what about what God It's a lot harder to argue with that. Let's just embrace God's principles and not our own. I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick. But whenever we teach ways, that's a, that's a big part of it. When we're using admonition coupled with discipline, it can't just be in the times when the kid has done something. I think that's probably going to be a destructive. That probably will drive no breath. If all this spirit stuff is is about the times I'm going to be doing something wrong, there's not a lot of brightness in that. There's not a lot of hope in that. We need to take a proactive approach to teaching our children. Deuteronomy 11 verse 19 says, And you shall teach them and your children, speaking of them whenever thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. It takes a lot of energy. The truth is, life gets busier. It, sometimes it gets there. there are, sometimes it's hard to put food on the table. At other times, hard to pay the bills. At other times, sometimes you feel like you're running like a madman or a madwoman, trying to do this and do that and take care of life. And it is hard to know all the things that your kids need. But he said, take the time to teach. Uh, ladies, I know it's hard to take the time to get your your daughters into the kitchen. It takes more time to cook whenever they're making messes. Get them in there, teach them. No, don't think I'm being demeaning here but talking about women cooking. You know, ladies, whenever the way you're treating your husband, and the way that you treat your husband, talk to your daughters about it. Why do you do that? Talk to your sons about it. So they can know what to look for. Whenever we teach life, we need to teach it personally. I'm not going to read this passage. You know it well, but the whole gist of this is us older men and women, the people I've experienced the ones raising kids. We train them in a very personal way, our children, to know how to behave when they're adults. And that means taking the time out of our lives. Whatever you, you might have to get up a little bit early in the morning, it's worth it. You might have to take them with you in your day, sometimes it's worth it. You may have to take time out of your day. Sometimes it's worth it. You might get home and you might be exhausted, but it is worth it to teach them. Because the more proactive we are, the more of these teachings in God's way that we lay to their heart they can take and make real in their life and they can put into practice, the more often they're going to be more pleasing to God. And the more often we're going to have less trouble with Him. And the more often we're going to and be proud and we're going to have rest and we're going to reap the peaceful fruits of righteousness. And God most importantly is going to look at our kids and he's going to be pleased. You might be tired today. You might be worn out today. Don't forget your kids. I want to say this as well. I want to encourage you to encourage each other. I need encouragement a dad so badly sometimes. Sometimes I just need the other folks in the church to talk about raising their kids. About the strategies that they're using and the scriptures for the reasons why they're doing it and how they're implementing Sometimes I need someone to reach out and say, hang in there, Dad. Keep on with them and say, Don't lift that me Whenever they're 13 years old, or whenever they're this age or that age. How dare you! You're so mean. They don't know what they're doing, they're just a kid. I need someone to encourage me, don't you? There's a whole world out there crying, don't do it God's way. And inside here, and inside our homes, we need each other to say, keep it up. God bless you. You need a little rest? Let's get a little rest together. Then let's go do it again. You need, you need a little tip? Let's go talk to these folks. They've been through this before. You just need to be able to talk and pick one of the up. And I encourage you to do that. Because the church is going to be blessed for it. You're going to be blessed for it. I'm going to be blessed for it. And the most importantly, our children are going to be blessed for But there is no vision that people perish. And those people are our children. Those people are the future of the church. I'm going to leave you with these goals again. I'm not going to read them all, but I know what you want for your kids, God. I, I want my kids to not just to know about God. I don't want them to know God. Don't you? You want your kids to serve the with a perfect heart and willing really mind, not because you want them to. You want your kids to have a real faith that's all their own, because they've seen it in need of a faith that's all your own. And you want them to go on house and forever, but never to fight again. You know, that's what God wants to do with me All those things. As a child of God, wants to And if you're struggling in some way this morning, to match up to these goals as a child of God, know that He's called you to come home, there's no safer environment than this front pew thing. While we well, sing this last song, if you need encouragement, if you need strength, if you need help in any spiritual way, I want you to please come and see here while we sing this last song. Over 300. 300. Good night,